This morning I was reading my Bible and I'm in Judges. And one of the themes in Judges is the circle of follow God, walk away, judgment, repentance, and then forgiveness. God is blessing Israel and then they begin to believe that they're the ones creating this great nation and not that they're living under God's blessings. Then comes the sentence, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And after that sentence, every single time, God takes his hand of protection off and they quickly learn it was not their strength that was keeping the country together. When they do it on their own apart from God, every time they fail miserably. What stood out to me this time reading these stories was a reminder that every time this happened, there was still one group, even if it was small, that continues to follow God. It's small, but it's always there. And I was struck by that today. You see, if everyone around you is following God's laws, it's pretty easy to do the same thing. It becomes the culture and you're just going with the flow. But when no one is following God's laws and you alone are standing for truth, you are showing you really truly love and trust God. I'm currently seeing this portrayed in our society. I was born in the 70s and I grew up in the 80s. Obviously in the 80s, there was a lot of people that were not Christians. However, there was in our society still a majority that believed in Christian values, even if they had not made the personal choice to be a Christian. People believed that truth was real. They believed in marriage. They believed in family and they respected the church, even if they never attended except for Christmas and Easter. They still had the knowledge of biblical truth and people knew at least the basic story. The idea that men could give birth or children could change genders was such an obscure idea that no one would have ever believed that would be a mainstream idea in my lifetime. Even abortion, for those who were pro-abortion, they wanted it to be rare and definitely not used as birth control. There was no shout your abortion stories. But the church then had a problem. We became lazy. We thought we fought over stupid things like style of music, what version of the Bible we should preach from, should we have pews or chairs, and what clothing can be worn in church. We didn't fight truth and righteousness because, quite frankly, that was the culture we were living in. Then the culture started to change, slowly at first, like a small crack in a bucket leaking out, and then faster and faster until we were hit with an avalanche. Some churches have ignored the sudden change in culture and have continued to bicker and preach about the non-essential arguments from the 80s and 90s. Some churches have fully embraced this new culture. The head of the largest pro-abortion movement in the States is now headed by a female, a lesbian, Anglican priest. Other churches are sitting on the sidelines trying to make sure their coffee seems relevant with new music and lighting, comfy seats, and free coffee while avoiding the giant elephant in the room. When topics of culture come up, the answer will usually involve one of these sentences. It's complicated, or it's messy, or I'm glad I serve a God who meets us in our mess. What you don't hear is God's truth, his judgment, or his call to righteousness. So we're living in a time when the culture is, as it was in the time of the judges, everyone does what's right in their own eyes. And the culture is rapidly moving into our churches and has already taken over most of our churches. That leaves us with a profoundly significant opportunity. We can be that small group that still strives, that still stands for truth while everyone around us is not. We can show clearly we are not simply a cultural Christian. We are truly followers of Jesus. When I was in junior high in the 90s, I heard a story at a summer camp. A Chinese pastor who had an underground church where they were at risk every day of being found and imprisoned was praying for 
the Canadian and American church. The Chinese church was praying we would have the blessing of persecution so we would have the opportunity to stand for our faith. I've never forgotten that story, and it appears God is answering their prayers. Today, church, we have the opportunity to stand for truth and righteousness, possibly at great cost. The question we have to ask ourselves is this, are we a cultural Christian or are we a Christian? I'm Lurley Siemens, and that was a long intro. All right, so that was a really long intro, but something I really wanted to talk about. It's been kind of an emotional week for me. This is Saturday night, and tomorrow, which is Sunday, I'm going to be speaking at a church in Elmer about abortion. And whenever I have a pro-life speech to give, the attacks from Satan are so strong. I feel a heaviness all week, and the thoughts Satan throws at me are all things like, you're stupid, your life is pointless, no one cares what you have to say, why are you even bothering this? And it's constant all day and night. And if anything can go wrong, it will. And it's like every time I have a speaking opportunity, and specifically when I'm speaking for life, the attacks are brutal. And I'm telling you this because if you speak for life, or if you think you're going to, God's calling you to speak for life, you're going to have the same thing because it's what Satan does. And the only way to overcome it is with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If you're going to stand for life, you better be in your Bible memorizing and reading it daily. One of the things I've learned is that I can't have two thoughts at the same time. So when I'm being attacked with negative thoughts about myself from Satan, I will quote scripture out loud if I can, and in my head if that's more appropriate. That's why I encourage people to memorize full chapters of the Bible. Psalm 23 and Psalm 1 are good starters. Romans has great chapters, and so does 1 John, and Isaiah also. Find these chapters and memorize them. Standing up for truth is important, and today I want to start with the story of a girl who was suspended for doing just that. If you're not aware, there's a new poppy this year. It's actually been around since 2016, but it's in the news more this year because it's being distributed in public schools. The rainbow poppy is supposed to be a way to remember the gay men who were not allowed to sign up to fight in war. Okay, that's actually a really interesting topic to have with students, but November the 11th is not the day to have that discussion. So a girl named Natalie and a friend of hers attended the Stonewall Collegiate School in Manitoba, and their school choir was going to wear rainbow poppies for the November 11th assembly. Well, Natalie and her friend didn't want to wear the poppy, and they also printed a page explaining why they rejected the poppy. And they took that page and they posted it all over the school. I'm going to read that to you right now so you can hear what it has to say. I have never seen something so disrespectful in all my days. What does LGBTQ have to do with the war? Red represents blood, black represents widows and loved ones, green represents the land the blood was spilled on. Never change the poppy. Way to undo centuries of blood, sweat, and tears, all because you needed to do the dishes. Keep it in your pants. Nobody wants to see it. You've got a whole month dedicated to the LGBTQ community. But the people who legitimately made a difference and died so that we could live decent lives have one day. You don't need a poppy. You just clearly want attention. One day to remember the real heroes. How about we don't make it about your sexuality for once? 
if you didn't make such a big deal about it and force people to make it part of their lives, there wouldn't be a problem. So Natalie and her friend were sent to the principal's office and were yelled at. Natalie tried to secretly record the attack on her phone, but her phone was taken away when they saw she was recording. The girls were both suspended until after Remembrance Day and were told they were not allowed to post anything on social media. They were not allowed to talk to the press. They, of course, did the opposite, both talking to conservative online media and posting the paper that got them suspended online. I'm proud of these girls, and I hope that they're able to hear this podcast. What has bothered me is the Christians who said, well, it's more about the way they went about it. They should have had more grace and love. Sure, they could have been a bit more tactful in their letter, but they're 17, and 17-year-olds should not have to be the voice of reason. Our churches and our church leadership should be doing that for them, or at the very least, equipping them for the task. But our churches won't touch a topic like this with a 10-foot pole. No way. So kids like Natalie are left to figure out all on their own how to deal with these situations. And our kids are on the front lines of this culture war. They're the ones battling and they're the ones coming home with the scars. And we, for the most part, have sent them into this battle unprepared and with no backup. And as a church, we should be ashamed of that. The tax not only on our students, the media is working hard to push Christians completely out of the public eye. This is especially clear when it comes to politics. Andrew Shear calls himself a Catholic Christian. He has a large family and is pro-life. When Canada was debating the idea of gay marriage, Andrew spoke in on the debate that he did not agree that marriage should be anything except one man and one woman. His comments were made in the House of Commons when the House was open for debate. The law was changed and allowing gay marriage. By the way, that happened under the conservative government of Stephen Harper, just in case you were unaware of that. Once the law was passed, Andrew has in every way respected the law of the land and has not spoken again about the issue. But the media keeps playing his talk from years ago and forcing him to comment on it today. The question they're asking is actually the scary part. They're not asking about legal rights or about the Marriage Act itself. They can't ask that because Andrew would answer that all people should be treated respectfully and that he has no plans on changing the law because it was passed fairly and with open debate as it should have been. So they can't ask that question. Here's the question that they ask. Is homosexuality a sin? The word sin here is the word that we need to focus on. They are demanding that Andrew Shear tell the world what his personal religious belief is, not what he believes legally. No, he must denounce his Christian principles. If he refuses, he's a bigot and should not be in office. Think about that for just a minute. There are Muslims in office. None of them have been asked about their religious belief when it comes to gay marriage or women's rights for that matter. None of them have marched in gay parades. Only the Christian must abandon his faith in order to serve in public office. The gay parade is the other thing that has everyone outraged. Andrew Scheer has not marched in a gay parade, and they are demanding, demanding that he march with them. So to sum it up, it's not good enough that they are allowed to get married, have full rights as everyone else. We must change our religious beliefs and literally have a parade for them and march in it. I'm pretty sure that was the whole reason some people were worried about changing the law. 
it wasn't that we wanted anyone to have less rights than others, is that we were afraid we would be forced to accept the lifestyle and also be forced to celebrate it. We were told that we were paranoid. Now our teens are being kicked out of school for not wearing a rainbow poppy and our government officials are being harassed for not walking in parades. The church, of course, is mostly silent on the issue or actually just abandoning our faith altogether. I saw this week in the Christian Society of Hymns has released a brand new hymnal. It's an all-inclusive queer hymnal for the LGBTQIA2S+. Now, can we all agree that the name is getting way out of hand? LGBTQIA2S+. I mean, way too many letters now, and numbers, and symbols. But besides that, church, are we ready to fight back yet? Because it's now in our churches. I want to give you some updates on stories I've talked about in the last few weeks. The seven-year-old boy who is being transitioned into a girl by his mother now is by court order spending time with his father. Given the opportunity to choose for himself how he was going to go to school, he is now going to school as a happy seven-year-old boy named James. Thankfully. But the mother is still fighting this and wants the judge who overturned the jury off of the case. She wants full custody back and wants her son back in school as a girl. So keep praying for this family. Here is another horror story coming from Canada, this time Montreal. Miranda and Serge are a loving married couple. Miranda was given the diagnosis of untreatable fatal cancer. She's going to die. Serge found watching his partner he loves die was so hard he was falling apart, so he went to see a psychiatrist for help. He felt hopeless, alone. There was nothing he could do to help his wife. So the psychiatrist had a simple solution for Serge. He would give Serge some pain meds and Serge would put it into Miranda's drink. It would be enough to kill her peacefully in her sleep. That was, of course, the loving thing to do. And it was what was best for her. Serge thankfully didn't listen and instead went home and told Miranda what had happened. And she was outraged. She had never expressed any interest in dying and was fighting for her life. She wanted to live every single day that was given to her. What this doctor had called for was murder. The couple went to the police and the board of physicians, but nothing was done to punish this doctor. He will be left to continue giving advice to others, even people who are in Serge and Miranda's situation. In another story, in the States, a man named Joe Morrissey had an interesting week. First, a little bit about old Joe. He was caught having sex with minors when he was in his 50s. He's been arrested over five times for sexual conduct with children, including possession and distribution of child pornography, and he spent time in jail for this. He was a lawyer, but he's been disbarred because, well, you know, how he acts with little kids. But this week, everything turned around for him because he was elected as Virginia State Senator, a Democrat, of course. If it had been a Republican, you'd have heard nothing but this story the whole time he was running. But apparently, you can have sex with kids and distribute child porn and even spend time in jail for that. As long as you say you hate Donald Trump, it's all good. You're fine. So, this is our world. Fathers have to fight in court for their sons to go to school as boys. High school students are suspended for standing up against a gay poppy. Open pedophiles are elected into Senate seats, and the church has a gay hymnal. I think it's safe to say we're living in a time when everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. 
As scary as that is, remember, it's an answer to the prayers of the persecuted church because they see it differently than we do. They see it as an opportunity to show that you are not a cultural Christian. You are a follower of Jesus Christ and you believe in truth and righteousness. So today you have a choice. A. Keep fighting about petty things that don't really matter, just so that way you feel like you're doing something. B. Ignore the whole situation and try to look like you're fitting in even though you secretly think everyone is going insane. C. Jump right into the culture and accept it, fully embrace it. D. Be part of that small group that continues to stand for truth and righteousness. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. For more podcasts, blogs, and videos, please go to my website, lauraleesiemens.com, and find all the resources I have to help you stand for truth. Until next week, 